Well, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 60. Isaiah chapter 60. And for those of you visiting with us, this is, uh, we've been going through a sermon series looking at the different prophecies of the Old Testament that talked about the birth of Jesus Christ. And so this is the last sermon in this series that talk about the prophecies of Jesus. So Isaiah chapter 60, uh, beginning with verse 1, reads these words. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In December 1903, there were many attempts from the Wright brothers who were trying to get their flying machine off the ground and in the air. Just after several times and several attempts, they finally had some success. And after they had some success getting their plane up in the air for just a few, few short seconds, uh, there was a, one of the brothers, he wrote his sister a telegraph message and he said to his sister Catherine, who is living in another state, he said, we have actually flown 120 feet. And then he said, we'll be home for Christmas. Right after Catherine, the sister of the Wright brothers, received this telegraph message, she hurried and ran over to the local newspaper editor, and, and she showed him the message. And <laughs> the editor glanced at the message, and he said, oh, how nice. The boys will be home for Christmas. He totally missed the big news that man had finally flown in the air. We are here today on this Christmas Eve. And as I thought about that example, I couldn't help but think about us and how it's so easy for us to miss the big picture of why we're here tonight and why we celebrate Christmas every year. It's easy for us to miss it because we're busy. We're busy preparing meals for family. We're busy traveling, getting the house ready, getting presents under the tree. We're, we're busy just thinking about the traditions that our families have set over the years. And the busier we get in this holiday season, the more likely we, we will forget the big picture and the big news as to why we're even here this evening and why we celebrate Christmas. Well, I'm here just for a few moments to simply remind us all of the big picture. And that is, the big news is that the light of Jesus has come upon this dark world. And he is gathering a worldwide movement of people for our good and for his glory. 
Again, the big picture is that the light of Jesus has come upon this dark world. And he is right now gathering a worldwide movement of people for our good and for his glory. Isaiah chapter 60, it describes God's intention to gather a worldwide movement to advance his kingdom on this earth. It describes the way that God will unite his people from all over the world. And as we look at Isaiah 60 for a few moments, we'll discover that during this time in history, it was about 700 years before Jesus came and was born in Bethlehem when Isaiah gave these words. During this time in history, Isaiah was painting a very bleak and dark picture to the people of God. He was telling them that they were about to enter into a very dark season. Verse 2 describes it this way. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people. The prophet Isaiah was prophesying that in just a short little while, the people of God would enter a dark season because an outside enemy, a foreign nation, would come and they would defeat them and they would send them into exile away from their homeland. This was the picture that Isaiah was painting to them, saying, you're about to enter into a dark season. But in the midst of bad news, Isaiah also gave them good news. He gave them a message of hope. And in verses 1 and 2, he described it this way. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. In the midst of the bad news Isaiah just painted them to them, he also said there's good news. And that even though you're about to enter into a very dark season, the Lord will will shine his light one day upon you. And he will gather you back into your homeland, and he will also gather the nations to help build and advance his kingdom on this earth. You see, the picture of Isaiah chapter 60 is one of restoration. And the people of God in this picture were painted as like a mother who lost her children, whose children were taken away from them. And Isaiah painted this picture saying, one day children will be reunited with their mother and they will be whole again and they will be home again. In verse four, he described it this way. Lift up your eyes all around and see, they all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. The picture of Isaiah 60 is of a sweet, great family reunion where sons and daughters were taken away from their moms and dads and they were driven away out of their homeland. And finally, when the light of the world would return and would come to this earth, and when he would come, the people would be reunited once again as a family and God would establish his kingdom here on this earth and advance a worldwide movement. Isaiah 60 was primarily talking first about the Jewish people. And that Jesus came, he's the Messiah, he is the king of the Jews. He came to regather back his people and bring them back to their home, Jerusalem. And at the same time, Isaiah paints another picture by saying, Jesus not only will come and shine his light on the Jewish people, but he will also shine his light on the Gentile people. 
And the very first Gentile people that Jesus would shine his light upon, Isaiah talked about 700 years before it actually happened. The wise men. Look again at verses 3 and 6. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. And here it is. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. The big picture is this. The light of Jesus has come upon this dark world. And he's gathering a worldwide movement of people for our good and for his glory. He didn't just come to regather and reunite his people, the Jews... He also came to bring together Gentiles who are the majority of us in this room, if not all of us. He came to unite people of all ethnicities, people of all nations, people of all tribes and tongues and languages. He came to unite us under him, under his throne, under his kingdom, under his lordship. That's why he came, and that's the prophecy that Isaiah foretold 700 years before the baby came to Bethlehem. So my question to you this evening is, are you dazzled by the light of the world, or are you taking Jesus for granted? You know what's fascinating about the wise men? When they came to see Jesus, they were blown away with excitement and wonder when they, when they saw Jesus because they knew who he was. They knew he was king of the world. He was king of the universe. And their lives were dramatically changed. But do you know what's also ironic? As the wise men were going to Bethlehem to see this newborn baby, there was another group of people. And they were Jewish leaders. And they did not go and see this baby. They knew who Jesus was because they were Jewish and they were even students of the Bible, but yet they were apathetic and they did not want to go and see this baby. Matthew chapter 2 describes it this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And look at this. And all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, he'll be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel." You see what's interesting here is the Jewish leaders, they knew where Jesus was going to be born because they knew their Old Testament. And Micah, the book of Micah in the Old Testament prophesied that a Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. These Jewish people were supposed to be the people who would be thrilled at the fact that Jesus was here. And I would expect them to have run to Bethlehem when they heard the news that he was there and to have wanted to see him. But guess what? We don't have anything in the Bible that tells us that they did that. In fact, I believe they didn't go to Bethlehem. So why didn't they go to Bethlehem? 
Well, here's the thing that I find interesting. I think these Jewish leaders were a little too comfortable with what they knew, and they weren't able to experience the true joy that was before them. Do you know that you could be 18 inches away from entering heaven? Now, before you look at me and say, Seth, I've never heard that before. That's really weird. What do you mean by that? 18 inches is the distance between our head and our heart. 18 inches is the average distance. What I mean by that is you could know a lot about Jesus. You could know a lot about the Bible. You could have grown up in church. You may go to church on Christmas Eve and Easter. You may have grown up in Knoxville and say, this is the Bible Belt. And so I know a lot about Jesus. I know about the Christmas story. I could tell you about the Christmas story. But here's the thing. Knowledge will not get you to heaven. It will not help you to experience the true joy that Jesus provides us. What will get you there is love. You could know facts after facts about the Christmas story or about the Bible. But when it's all said and done, my question to you is this. Do you love Jesus? Do you love the fact that he left heaven and came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life and that he died a horrific death so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins and you and I could experience joy in this world and in the next? Do you love that truth? Do you love who he is and what he stands for? If you do, you're like the wise men who when they saw the star, they were overcome with joy. And then they, they ran to see Herod. And then when they found out he was in Bethlehem, they ran to Bethlehem and they were overwhelmed with joy when they saw this Jesus because they loved him and they knew who he was. They didn't just know about him, they loved him. The Jewish leaders, on the other hand, they knew about Jesus, but I don't think they loved him. And so my question to you is, do you love Jesus? And if you do, let this Christmas season not just be about Christmas and food and family and days off from work. All, all, of, all of that is good. But let this Christmas season be about the newborn king, Jesus Christ. And let him continue to fill you with joy. You know, what I, I loved about the wise men is that in verse 10 it said that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy when they saw the star. And as they went to the house, they saw the child and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures. They offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They didn't just bow down and worship him. They offered their best. They offered their gifts. And that's what Jesus ultimately wants from us. He not only wants us to worship him and love him, but he wants us to give him our all. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus, you may know a lot, but you haven't really experienced the true joy that I'm talking about. Let tonight, this Christmas Eve 2021, be the night where you commit yourself wholly to the Lord Jesus. And the way you do that is by admitting that you don't have it all together because we all have issues, all right? Most of us, if not all of us, are about to be with family and there's probably gonna be some tension. It's reality. We all have issues. We all have stuff. 
But that's what makes Christianity and Jesus so powerful, is that despite all of our issues and despite all of our mess-ups and screw-ups, Jesus never messed up, he never screwed up, and he came here so that we could be forgiven. And he died on a cross so that it would pay for the wrath of God the Father because God must punish our sins. He's perfect. He must punish it. And the way that he punishes it is by putting it on the cross and Jesus paid for it. So let that truth sink into your heart. Be overwhelmed by it. Overcome with joy. And let him radically change your life. If you're here tonight and you want to believe in Jesus, let's just take a minute right now. And I just encourage you to pray along this prayer with me. So let's pray. You can say this to yourself in silence. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for living a perfect life and dying a sinner's death on the cross for my sins. I now turn from my sinfulness and self-trust And I place my trust in you alone for the forgiveness of sins and the free gift of eternal life. I now receive you as my God and my King. Take control of my life and make me the kind of person you want me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if, if you did pray along with me or if you just prayed a prayer in your heart saying, Lord, I want to commit my life to you, it doesn't stop here. It's just the beginning. I encourage you to get involved in a local church that teaches God's word and loves Jesus. I would love for you to come back here. And at the same time, I'd also encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, study about this great Jesus, and then get to know other Christians who have been Christians for years and ask them to disciple you, to teach you in the word of God. Because I'm telling you, friend, your life will never, ever be the same. For those of us who have been believers for many years, let this Christmas help you remember the big picture, that the light has come in this dark world and Jesus is building a worldwide kingdom, a worldwide movement that you and I are a part of. Treasure that with all your heart and give Jesus your all. Amen.